Welcome back, you lovely ladies and gentlemen, and others to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast for another wonderful episode of Woody Allen Adjacent. I am your host, who's always got high energy, Donald Wonder, and I am here with my co-host with the most, my lovely friend across the pond, James Daniel Walsh, sir. How are you? Low energy, so we balance out. Yes, we do. <laughs> my friends, well... You listening, you lovely listener. Once again, we've been plagued by IT issues before we even recorded. And James, I have to say, you've been a very, 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 very gentlemanly patient about it. But we're not leaving you guys another week without another show. We're back. And James, you have survived. How do you feel, man? I feel like I probably sound like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Among our various tech issues today, my mic just stopped working. So you're getting my raw computer audio so enjoy that everybody <laughs> you know what i'll be honest and to the to the key the, to the keen eye listeners or yeah the keen eye listeners there's been many a time that james's mic has switched from his pro consumer good quality mic to the inbuilt mic into the macbook which has just led his quality to be a bit lower i've noticed it guys i've ignored it haven't said anything i apologize but it is something we are going to fix. It's a long-term issue with operating system compatibility issues, blah, blah, blah. You probably don't give a shit, but our woes are very, very much <laughs> with technology. Mm-hmm. But we persevere. James, we persevere. So thank you for listening, you guys. Thanks for subscribing. James, thanks for hanging in there. On the last episode, we spoke about the Academy-nominated movie, stop-motion movie, and Manolisa, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, James. In <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot of I had a lot of technical issues even creating that episode because we had a whole week where we couldn't do anything. But that was a great discussion. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, and it very well might be, you can go back and listen to that podcast by subscribing. Please consider subscribing to the podcast if you haven't already. All our existing listeners, thank you for joining us on another wonderful episode. James, this month is my pick. I picked this movie. I'm going to tell you why. But before we do, let the people know what we're talking about, and then we'll go from there. Today we are discussing the movie Love and Sex, which was released in 2000, and no movie has ever looked more like it was released in the year 2000. (laughs) Uh, Directed by Valerie Bremen and starring Famke Jensen and Jon Favreau. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. James, one of my first questions I always ask you is, had you ever heard or seen of this movie before I asked you about it? Heard of it, yes. Seen it, no. The title sounded familiar. When I watched the trailer, I was like, all right. I have vague memories in my head of probably seeing the trailer 23 years ago and never thinking of it again. Yeah. Well... As I said on the previous episode, the reason this movie came to my mind is because I saw that Disney slash Marvel made a big deal about 15 years of Iron Man. John Favreau was being um, interviewed by the head of Marvel. Uh, What's his name again? I can't remember. Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige. How dare I forget the Lord Kevin Feige's name? They had this long ass interview and I looked at him and I said, you know, John Favreau did one or two things that I really appreciate, apart from Swingers. One or two things that I really appreciated, and one of them is this movie. James, before I talk about how I got into this movie and my thoughts and all of that, let me just go with you first, because I think a lot of people would not have seen this movie, have not heard this movie. This is another 
to be harsh, in my opinion, another rom-com, maybe, maybe a disposable rom-com that has fallen by the wayside. So, James, please go first. Uh, what did you think about Love and Sex? This is a disposable rom-com that has fallen to the wayside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, is, uh, it is a complicated movie in that I do miss movies like this. I miss the simple uh, movies that are made for a reasonable budget, but they cast talented actors. I think it, this was the same year X-Men came out. So right. Famke Jensen, and, and, you know, Famke Jensen had been in GoldenEye. So she wasn't like an unknown or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back 23 years ago, you could get a big name actor to appear in a movie like this and probably work for scale. And, you know, uh, these movies never, they never got made with the, the thought of, the, well, they're going to sweep the Academy Awards or they're going to have giant box office or anything. They were just made as a sort of, for people who walked into an art house theater to go, oh, I haven't heard of this. Or, oh, I saw a review of that in the New York Times, and so I'll check that out. Or, more likely, I saw a review of that in the Village Voice or the whatever the local art paper is in, in your city. So I do miss movies like this. The problem with this movie, for me, isn't even the movie. The problem is one scene in the movie that happens within the first, I'd say, 10 minutes that made me hate the characters so much that I was never able to get back on their side. <laughs> I love it when it happens. James, with all, you know, I don't think this is a movie. Oh, let's not get into spoilers and all that. We always talk about the movies in depth, but I don't think, I think if you've seen a one rom-com, you've kind of seen them all. And in a way, we always say they're kind of chasing the acclaim of, you know, all the chemistry of Annie Hall, which I do think this pulls from. Very much so, yes. So, you know, what was the scene, James? Just tell us what the scene was. I'm very curious. Well, the 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 setup of the movie is Famke Jensen is a she works at a what is it a fashion magazine or something or just a it women's is. magazine? Yeah, and uh, she's supposed to be writing an article about uh, like a puff piece article about uh, just romance and gender. It didn't even sound like there was that specific a, a idea for the article. Uh, and her editor is mad at her because she turned in something that's kind of depressing and she says go write something that's, that the readers will be able to digest easily because it's like a puff piece so she's writing about various relationships and right away that kind of bothered like, well that didn't bother me, bother me right away I thought it would be a bigger thing in the movie almost like High Fidelity mm-hmm. where he would see these former relationships come back and instead you kind of get scenes of her oh, this is when I hooked up with my French teacher, or this is when I accidentally had an affair with a man I didn't know was married. And, and they don't really add up to a lot in the end. But at that point in the movie, I didn't know that, so I wasn't bothered by that then. But then it gets to finally the guy who will be the love of her life, played by John Favreau. And he is a pretentious art prick. <laughs> <laughs> and he's having a... Uh, a showing in his loft because of course he is and Tom Jensen goes in with a date who she is describing as being a boring person and in her narration and talking about how and you know the guy I didn't even feel like they conveyed that very well the guy seemed a little bit like a dud but not he wasn't an asshole or anything certainly he wasn't a bad guy and yet 
she gets separated from him. She starts talking to Favreau. Favreau immediately goes into <laughs> intense flirtation with her, telling her, "Oh, you know, you and me are going to end up together, and you're, you know, you're really going to love me, and you're going to adore." And then the date finds them. You know, the date says to to Favreau, "Oh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm with her." And Favreau goes, "Oh no, I, you know, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're not anymore. She's with me." And I'm watching this, and at first, at first, Famke Jensen is rightfully horrified mm. because this he's being a giant prick, mm-hmm. like a giant, giant prick. And then the date, reasonably enough, wants to leave, and Famke Jensen doesn't go with him, and instead goes out with Favreau. And I'm like, "Ooh, you two suck." You this this was mean. <laughs> this was just flat, and they even like acknowledge, mm-hmm. like like Favreau goes, yeah, oh, oh, that was a little mean. Anyway, let's go get a burger. Yep. And after that, I was like, I don't care what happens to these people. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care at all. Like th- this is a romance that is now built on cruelty. Uh, these people, and they don't even have the like. If there had been a scene later in the movie when Famke Jensen is sort of at her low point mm. and she runs into that guy. And maybe at this, that point he's married, maybe he's got a kid, he's doing really well. And he can kind of look down on her and go, Oh yeah, you doing that to me was the best thing that ever happened to me. So thanks a lot. And then she can feel like shit about it finally. Cause she didn't feel about it. She didn't feel bad about it at the moment. That would have won me back. And instead Throughout the movie, I'm just sort of like, I don't care if these people are together. I don't want them to be together. These people are toxic together. <laughs> and, you know, it, her character, I I could kind of go, all right. Favreau never won me back. This is absolutely my least favorite John Favreau performance. He comes off as such a simultaneously pre- pretentious and desperately needy character who does not know how to respect boundaries at all in a way that made me just a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. Um, I don't, you know, I am on record. I will say now, I don't think that every single thing that a man does to try and win a woman over should be labeled as toxic masculinity. John Favreau's fucking toxic <laughs> in this movie. Like <laughs> when she's trying to have serious conversations about like, I don't want to be with you. And he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. what kind of underwear are you wearing? You know, like, do you want to sleep over tonight? You know, what should we do tonight? And he's like, just completely ignoring her. And I think he thinks it's being, and I think the director thinks that it's him being cute. Mm-hmm. I never found it cute. Like I wanted her to just get up and walk out of the room and be like, you know what? Don't call me anymore. And just leave. He was just, he was a dick. <laughs> Everything you're saying, James, I 100% agree with. But I loved every minute of him being <laughs> that dick. You know, this, and when you were saying that scene, uh-huh. I think some people's personalities just click. And all I can tell you, the energy that John Favreau is excluding, exuding in this movie is asshole big dick energy. Now, this yes. is the uh-huh. alpha male kind of and he's kind of a nerdy you're not even a proper alpha male it's like a kind of no, both a beta and an alpha male together that's what that's why like you said i mean he's this this he's not like a macho uh like rides a motorcycle and everything he's an artist in little glasses who, yeah you know 
and and by the end of the movie, he's practically begging her. Yep. To yep. Take, not not practically. He is begging her <laughs> to take him back. And so all that big dick energy is gone, and all you're left with is a poser. Yes. Well, both of them are. And here's, I want to jump in the movie and say, you know, how I came across the movie, what I thought about it. This movie, really, this this thing rarely happens in my life because I remembered this movie. I didn't see this movie for a long time, maybe 15 years. And I remember this movie being like, I remember the characters being charismatic, refreshing to me. Like, oh, I remember it being a couple that they're so quirky that I really found them so different. Now, all these years later, watching it again, I found it the opposite. I found it, actually, I've seen this a lot since then, and there are so stuff like that. But I still found myself laughing because, as you said, I don't feel any sympathy for them. Their relationship, even though the movie can't make up its mind if you should take it seriously or if it's a comedy, because one or two serious things happen in the movie, which seem, okay, that's kind of a serious relationship thing to happen. But then there's intentional gags in this movie with relationships. It's kind of like, okay, I can't take this seriously. So all in all, this movie to me, first I remembered it or I thought of it in the past as a quirky relationship movie that stands out. But now it's a parody. This movie to me is a perfect parody of a relationship and it's mean and it's funny. And I think both of the actors to me execute their assholishness very well. Again, I'm actually surprised because this is a movie that I, this isn't the movie I remember. I remember this actually being charming. They're fucking assholes. They're not charming, <laughs> they're assholes. and they deserve each other. And that's the only thing that, to me, holds the movie together. That they're so alike that they can't mm-hmm. not be together. But then, because of that, the dramatic stuff that happens in the movie, you don't really care for, and the movie keeps on poking fun at itself. So to me, when we spoke about that movie, um, uh, they came together and that was a parody and it's surreal stuff like that. This is just a parody of, this is a Netflix movie to me. This is a Netflix romantic comedy where they're just assholes and I don't care. And I loved it for it, especially because both of these actors have come so far. John Favreau was in yes. the stratosphere, obviously. Uh, I can never say Famic Johansson's name properly, but she is someone that I've watched that has never stopped working. I've got so much respect for her because um, she's been in one of my favorite television series of all time that I've done a review for on YouTube as well, which is Nip Tuck. Have you ever seen Nip Tuck? No, I haven't. Uh, I've heard good things about it, though. She was in a, was in another very good show, though, called Hemlock Grove. She was. She was. She, and that show didn't last as long as Nip Tuck. I think Nip Tuck was like nine seasons. I think Hemlock Grove was only three. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So her, she's she was such a like a dark character in that. And I read some reviews and I tried to get some like interviews that I could probably well, I tried to interject audio or I tried to find audios that I can interject in this discussion. But back in two thousands, most of them were just blogs. Most of them were just written stuff. And funny enough, the first thing that you should be aware of is that the director, Valerie Brainham, when she announced, when she presented this movie at, was it Cannes or Sun? I think it was Sundance. She presented it at Sundance. Her opening statement was, welcome to my love life. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, and she wrote this movie. She writ, wrote and directed this movie. 
and just the characters, the way they're the way they are, their personalities. I could see she's got a quirky personality. And to be honest with you, to me, this is disposable. I agree with you. This isn't something that you're going to really remember. But I really think these two play well off each other. They're very similar. And the movie, it, it, it runs at a fast pace. Now, before I picked this movie, the reason why I said a couple of episodes that this is an easy pick for me, this is another movie that's just taken the rom-com formula and hasn't done anything real with it. This is, a, as you said, another 2000s movie like I've seen before. But i got to say, man, the charisma of the two actors, even them being arseholes, it still shines for me in this movie. And it still made this movie watchable. Because I tell you, if you could name a lot of other actors that were doing these kind of movies, and I, I not only find them disposable, I just don't like them at all. I think they're completely forgettable. And in a way... I don't want to overpraise this movie. It's kind of, it is kind of forgettable, forgettable because there's there's nothing I can say that gives it staying power. But I do oh. think the charisma of these two make it what I would call a Netflix watch. And I do think John Favreau's character is channeling Woody Allen. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and actually, to some extent, I think Famke Jensen is as well because you know she's got this obsession with death. And, oh, and yeah. every time she kind of goes off on, you know, she she's obsessed with the movie Nosferatu. She wants to watch that movie all the time, uh, which again, no, I've never met a woman who ever would fucking just insist on watching Nosferatu uh, every other week. But yeah, her whole like her rant at the end of the movie where she gets up in the middle of the movie and starts yelling at the audience, you're all going to die someday. You know that. And I'm just imagining like Woody doing the same thing. Which he does, I mean, the, in Stardust Memory, he has that whole, like, did you know that the, the universe is expanding and, you know, no, there's going to be nothing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Woody does that and you go, that is neurotic and charming. She does it and I'm like, oh, God, somebody call the cops because this woman is having a breakdown in the middle of the theater. And it sounds like she's got a gun and is going to start shooting everybody. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so uh, uh, that didn't make me laugh. That just made me go, oh, if I was in that theater, <laughs> I would be. I'd be like ducking. Do you know? Funny you should bring up that theater scene. There was another scene where I, I actually loved the way this relationship went because they found each other. They had a good time. Something happened in their relationship was quite serious. That kind of was the beginning of the end for them, and then it just fell apart, which I thought was natural. But my God, I feel like not even a week later, John Favreau is just being despicable and dating another woman in their cinema in their movie. And when she sees him, she sticks her face right next to him. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, you, you're doing this here. What are you doing with that fucking goatee? And I just thought this, honestly, I was laughing at this movie. I was constantly laughing at this movie. And, you know, I'm a, I feel a little bit guilty because I'm like, I should, I should really recommend a movie with a little bit more meat on the bone. But this is my point. I think sometimes actors can carry you through a movie that is empty, that is a nothing burger. And for me, I can honestly be harsh, 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 harsh with me and say, this is disposable. I agree with you, James. But if you like the actors, if you like John Favreau, I think this is a good movie to say, you know what, he did that movie and you might watch it and say, really? And watch it back, oh, okay, that was weird. And for me, that that's enough. I think this movie deserves to be in a collection of rom-coms that are disposable, but not trash. 
<laughs> it, it belongs it belongs on an eight disc DVD set that you buy at Walmart for ten dollars. <laughs> but speaking of which, I want to bring up some background information, which is kind of funny. So the director, the writer and director of this, Valerie Brainman, Brainman, I might be saying that wrong. Apologies, apologies. She oh. actually has worked with some interesting people. One person in particular, James, I found pretty eye-opening. Eye-opening and sad, to be honest with you. <laughs> Do you know what movie... What Actually, let me, let me freeze this as, a, as like a quiz question to you. What comedic actor who's very well celebrated, very well acclaimed, got, her fir- got his first break by this director? I don't think you would guess. But just throw a name out there. I'll give you two guesses. Uh, the only uh, I'm Vince Vaughn. No, but since you know, I see the connection there. One more, and when you get this one wrong, I'm gonna play the trailer. And please don't hate me for it, James. Please don't hate me. But one more try. Considering the timing, I'm gonna say Jim Carrey. <laughs> and I would say that was a good guess. No, here's the trailer for this. This was the actor comedian's first movie. Back in 1989, I didn't even know this movie existed. Let me apologize to the audience first, because you might hate what you're about to hear, but I'm going to play it anyway. There was Billy Madison. There was Saturday Night Live. Now, Adam Sandler is a cruise ship waiter fishing for laughs. All my life, I just wanted to get on stage and make people laugh. Hi. How you doing, Errol? What's your name? Adam Sandler is going overboard. But first, let's see a montage of some beautiful women. All right. James, how surprised are you? Fairly surprised since I forgot that movie existed. Now, I'm going to dunk on Adam Sandler for a moment. (laughs) I didn't know that these kind of movies that everyone hates him for, Jack and Jill and Little Nicky and all this other shit, I didn't know that's how his career started. From the this is his first movie directed by her. The trailer's awful. It sounds like garbage. And she was the one that helped him open the door. I gotta give her props because you know he probably loves her for it now. And you know, but I was like, oh my god, Adam Sana was about this in the 80s. Jesus Christ. I remember that my ex-wife had a VHS copy of that movie. Are you joking? No, she had it. I don't know why she had it, but she had it. Well, she also worked with John Hughes, the acclaimed, must, must love, most loved John Hughes. And they did a movie together called um, She's Having a Baby. Oh, yeah. That one I know. Yeah. I, I can't. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot so much about this movie. Kevin Bacon doing a mm. movie where he's not a terrifying monster. He's uh, just <laughs> <laughs> a monster of some sort is a miracle. And I just thought, I, you know what? I need to watch She's Having a Baby again. So. Anyway, the director, right? Yeah, she's still working. She does voice work and does some cameo appearances here and there. But yeah, man, um, this is her life. This movie is her life. She's a quirky character. And the last thing I will say about her, um, she more recently has a throwaway movie on Netflix. Even now, it's called Overnight. And it's kind of a rom-com set on an airplane that's flying between cities. It's, again, disposable, but she doesn't have great actors, in my opinion. I know that's probably harsh, but the actors are not that great. I fell asleep watching the movie years ago, and I, when I heard her name, I'm like, I know that. 
director. I know her. Yeah, so she directed that movie as well. And recently she's been doing lesser stuff. But, you know, she's in Hollywood. She's hardworking. This is part of her life story. And it seems like she does quirky rom-coms. So this overnight Adam Sandler's crazy movie, she does some weird stuff. (laughs) But, yeah, I found it slightly interesting on that note. Should have gotten Adam Sandler to be in this. That's true. I can see Adam Sandler doing the John Favreau part. Well, on that note, let me ask you a question. Do you think this is another cringy Woody Allen performance for John Favreau here? Uh, no. I I I can see what you're saying about him channeling Woody. He's doing it in a way though that it's still John Favreau. Like this is I, I would recognize he'd done swingers just a couple of years before this. I recognize a consistency in his performances. There might be, I think, a Woody Allen influence on him in general. Because mm. at Swingers, you could say he was he had kind of a Woody Allen thing going on in that movie. I think that, that Woody probably is a fairly big influence on him as a writer and as a, maybe not as a director uh now considering he does just he exclusively does big giant uh budgeted movies but although i i hear he's making a sequel to the lion king he should get woody to do a voice oh. <laughs> i gotta give you a, i'm gonna give you a round of applause for that comment in post number one <laughs> number two i wouldn't when i heard he did that shot for shot live action remake of liking i was utterly disappointed not because they chose him oh. i think he's a great director just because the movie was so uninspired but that sequel of The Lion King you're speaking about is actually meant to be a prequel of Mufasa. So mm-hmm. I actually think, I wish they released that before they did this Lion King. Actually, I, scratch that. I wish they never made this Lion King remake and they just made the, Muf- the Mufasa prequel. I think that's much more inspired, but that's a whole other rant on yeah. Disney remakes. I don't even want to get into right now. But it's James, there's one more question I want to ask you about John Favreau. Yes. Do you remember, and this is the deep cut, this just, this just shows how much of a TV nerd I am. Do you ever remember John Favreau having a stint in a very popular TV series? Yes, I remember it quite well. Ah, you do? What TV series is that? It was Friends. It was Friends, yes. This is true, guys. I, I put James to the test. I remember James, I mean, sorry, James. I remember John Favreau had this little arc in Friends where he was dating Monica and she liked him, but she thought he was just a nice guy. He did play that character very much like he plays the character in Love and Sex, like where he just goes into it going, you're going to love me and this is how this is going to work. Yeah, yeah. But she says she never felt attracted to him. And although he's nice, she thought, "Uh, you know, I just don't want to date him, blah, 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 blah. But then she kisses him. She finds that physical attraction. And from then, I think, he, again, he he proves himself that he is, you know, he could be a romantic lead. And that reminded me of this movie as well. I'm like, yeah, he's done. He's, he's proven himself to be a romantic lead. So, Although now that I, now that I, because I remember that episode, there's a lot about friends that wouldn't fly anymore. But the way that that played out was she gave him a kiss just to kind of placate him. And then he grabbed her and forcibly kissed her. Yeah. Which is a thing that you could not do now. It worked for him in the show, but that wouldn't fly anymore. Well, I wouldn't call it forcibly. I think some women will call it he, he, man. Well, I don't know. Maybe it depends. depends. I'm I'm, I'm kind of 50-50. 
I think he kind of took his last shot because that was it for them. But he had to like shoot his shot, and then that kiss was like, whoa, whoa. Oh, that that's definitely what it was. Uh, yeah. and it doesn't doesn't even necessarily bother me. I'm just saying it's a thing you couldn't do anymore. <laughs> sure, what that I uh, wholeheartedly agree with you, James. <laughs> but yeah, I think he's proven that he could be a leader man, and of course he's done many films, not not just behind the camera, but even Chef, a movie I love a lot. Yeah, Chef is a very good movie. Very good movie with all his Avengers stars in it. And, you know, he even got a TV series off Netflix of Chef as well, you know, which I think is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. He is winning. James Favreau is winning. But anyway, I want to play the one and only clip I've got from this movie here. Before we wrap up, because I've said all I can say about the movie, I brought up a kind of a disposable, maybe charismatic movie, maybe. I'll leave that up to the listener. If you've seen it or not, let us know. But let me play this clip where I feel like if you're wondering where the Woody Allen collection is coming from, have a listen to this. I can't take it. What? I can't take I can't I cannot I can't take it. Oh, I can't I can't take it. I can't I just I thought you know I, I just I, I thought I was over you. I thought I was done. I was I, oh god, this is horrible. Oh god. Just don't, don't, just don't go to Malibu. Please, please don't go to Malibu. Are you out of your mind? This is a joke, right? This is not a joke. This is this is this is not. What's wrong with you? You've been dating women nonstop since we broke up. And I know. This is the first guy I've even gotten close to in I an know. entire I know. year. I was wrong. What can I say? I was wrong. I was silly. I was stupid. I was wrong. I didn't know how I felt about you until tonight, until right now. What happened to the date with the actress? She's canceled. It's over. God, he shouldn't have, because Joey's on his way. Joey? His name is Joe. You're, how could you date a guy named Joey? Please don't date him anymore. Let's get back together again. I love you. Let's have babies. Would you stop acting like an insane person? Why don't you go home and relax or something? You. Let's no, get back go together. on your date. You'll be you fine. Just, it's just some weird I'll, thing. You know what? I'll go. Through. Just, just, just could you tell me one thing. What? What's his last name? Just what? Just tell me his last name. Um, Santino. Oh, Santino. That's that's like Joey Santino, the actor. My the titty ninja. You fucking hate him. Actually, he's he's really a very good actor. I mean, clearly you haven't seen any of his later work. What the fuck are you talking about his later work? Motherfucker, you haven't seen... Oh, my God, you're kidding me. How could you... He's... You... you how do you... Adam, you have to go. You weren't supposed to fall in love. Oh, quit being such a hypocrite. A hip? I'm not a... I'm a guy. I fuck. I don't fall in love. Well, maybe you don't. Oh, you think Mr. Italian, uh, fucking, uh, yeah. He's fucking you. He loves you. I don't think so. Whatever. You know what? I'm fucking out of here, all right? Fucking horseshit. Don't fucking call. Now, barring the profuse swearing, <laughs> I think you could hear the Woody influence right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, well, not only barring the swearing, but barring the... Um, the one thing that Woody is very good at that his imitators don't get right is the characters in Woody Allen movies do shitty things. But he always writes them in a way where you don't hate them, where you're kind of sympathetic to them. If he were playing that scene, he wouldn't have. I mean, the, the swearing wouldn't have been there. The uh, the turn at the end, he would have made fun of the guy. He would have mocked him, but he wouldn't have like stormed out, screamed, "Don't fucking call me!" And you mm -hmm. know, he wouldn't have done that. Uh, he would have belittled him in a witty and woody like way and um 
And also there's one line that stuck out to me in that scene too, because the one thing that we haven't talked about that, again, if I think the director should have removed completely because it never really comes up again, but it completely colors the rest of the movie is at one point they do get pregnant and uh, she has a miscarriage. And, you know, the thing that bothers me about the, the pregnancy subplot i don't even want to call it a subplot because it's never mentioned again after the scene where she has the miscarriage i think we're supposed to and again this is never addressed so it's it's hard i'm just guessing here i think we're supposed to think that that was a a, a changing point for their relationship mm. and that maybe that's what led favreau to decide to break up with her which only makes him a bigger asshole you know she's devastated by having the miscarriage he seems indifferent to it you know you you see a a shot of him sitting in the hospital waiting for her to come out but you get the feeling that she's upset about it and he's not and then all of a sudden it's like you know i've never been single so i think we're just in the middle of the night and he breaks up with her so casually so where he's just like, well, you know, it's just one of those things. It's fine. We'll still be friends. Don't worry about it, you know. And he's as casual and mean about breaking up with her after this miscarriage as he was to the guy who, you know, he he basically humiliated to to you know when when he first meets her. So I just get this from him this mean streak this mean streak that just makes it so that by the end of the movie when she's like when she decides to be with him again and she only has one semi-serious relationship between the breakup and reuniting with Favreau oh yes that actor that actor was in The Walking Dead and he was in the long running series The Americans the tall uh, white guy with the was he? Do you have blonde hair? But I know the actor. Did, I can't yeah. remember his name. I really like him. He's a he's a really phenomenal actor, especially in that series, The Americans, which is phenomenal. Great series. Yeah, yeah. He was I, good. I have it right here. His name is Josh Hopkins. Yes, uh, great actor. Great actor. Can and, I just can I just jump on your point there? Because yes, I one hundred percent agree with the second point. He's he seemed cold, and um, dis, I wouldn't even call it disenchanted. He just. His personality and the and the, the the breakup was cold as fuck. Yes, I think he's heartless, and I it it made me question if he was really in love with her to, at all. The part I disagree with you about is the part where, and again, I think this is more of a failing of the director. If I'm being honest with you, when the miscarriage happened, she didn't even see that broken up about. It. And I will the reason why, and again. It might have come off to you that way. It didn't come off to me because after it happened, she hardly ever brought up again. Now, contrast that to the previous, a couple of, well, maybe a year ago, we spoke about that movie, Empathy. Do you remember the one with um, Stephen Dorff and the French lady? Yeah. And they yeah. had the miscarriage. And, you know, it, you could feel from both actors how much it really was the beginning of the end. But in this movie, when that miscarriage happened... To me, for both characters, it was just something that happened. Because after that scene, she started to say, you know, the longer you're with someone, the longer they annoy you. And then that Mm -hmm. was the point where you really, they just start going back and forth about things. And then, but 
from that point, it seemed like the miscarriage ever happened because she never brought up again, even in any type of reflective way. And for me, you know, I'm maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe we're gonna we might disagree on this part, but I just thought fuck both. You don't care. Your relationship is a joke. This movie is a yeah. joke, and I'm just gonna laugh at you because such a serious thing. You know, the only time that it's even brought up again is when he says, "Let's get together again. Let's have babies." Which to me, that that line is that line is just another sort of insensitive, cruel thing. Sure, sure. Because but she doesn't it, even it, react to it. She doesn't go, "Oh, no. fuck this." Well, that when I when I say that she reacted to it worse than he did, I mean that at least in the scene where she finds out about it, she cries definitely <laughs> on the toilet. Yeah. And, well, and when they're in the hospital and she comes out of the room. She seems upset, but you're right. It's never ever brought up again by either of them. But like yeah, if we were to just do an experiment and we were to just cut that part out of the movie, you would never, you wouldn't miss anything. No, it's actually the tone doesn't fit. Actually, you brought. I don't think that that's such a serious thing to put in the movie, and it feels like it's glossed over because neither of them really bring up again, and you think it would affect her more than him. And by the mm-hmm. way, there's a, again, you might not find this charming at all, but the fact he calls her horse face in the movie uh-huh. is hilarious to me. I can get past that because she thinks it's funny. You know, to, to like somebody who was an outsider who didn't know the joke, they would probably be like, geez, what a fucking asshole. But <laughs> she thinks it's funny. I And I have no doubt, by the way, that he probably calls her that in front of people. Sure. Without yeah. explanation, and yeah. I, and people are just like, "What the fuck is this guy's problem?" Yeah, yeah. Pamela Jensen herself doesn't have a problem with it, so it's fine. Yeah, that's what I just I, I accepted that they've got this dark, twisted relationship, where even when serious things happen, they just shrug it off and they'll rather talk about the pettiness. And yes, I one hundred percent agree with you. The way John Favreau breaks up is cavalier, cold, and surprising, and, and it's actually the most surprising reaction to her as well. She's like, "What?" And when he wants her back, it's juvenile. It seems it like he wants her back just, just because she's moved on. Just because she's finally moved on, then he wants her back. His whole plan was, I'm going to break up with you. I'm going to go out and fuck whoever I want for a while. You are not allowed to do that. You have to just sit here and wait for me. And eventually when I decide that I want you back, that's when I'll come back and I'll, and again, I, I have no doubt that if, if it had played out exactly that way, he would have just knocked on the door one day, he'd have a suitcase in his hand and just be like, Hey, I'm back. You know, let's go. What do you want to eat tonight? Horse face. And you know, it would have been just as that's the right word. Cavalier. He doesn't care about her. He does not love her. I never bought that. He loved her. I, I, bought think, I think he that, does. I think they love each other in the same dysfunctional disjointed and fucked up way, and maybe I never, I never looked into this. Maybe that's her husband in real life. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I believe, and I know that's. I'm not even trying to insult her by saying that. But some people have really strange relationships, and this yeah. movie, to me, is an example of that. When this movie ended, I said these two are meant to be together. They surely in the are. worst possible way. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think they're going to have a bad relationship per se either. They, but you know what? It's saying that maybe they might be that. Like, you know what? I feel like they're very juvenile. And in the movie, I think they're in the early 30s or late 20s. And yeah. that might reflect in the length of their, in the, you know, how much gas they've got in their relationship. Because 10 years later, 
they're either still together and loving each other or they hate each other. I don't think there's no in between. Or they're still together and they hate each other. There are those couples too who just well done. They never Actually, get divorced. That is the third option. <laughs> That's why this movie's fascinating to me. Thank you for helping me see that. <laughs> there's a lot of these movies that we talk about and they're you know, it does seem like around this time, because we talk about a lot of movies from around this time, late 90s, early 2000s. We do. Uh, where Gen X was just really starting to make movies, and you can see how many were inspired by Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, to me, I would never, I wouldn't care about a sequel to Annie Hall. Like, if Woody said, I'm going to make a sequel to Annie Hall 40 years after Annie Hall, came out and see where these characters are i'd be like i don't really give a shit about that some of these movies i would be fascinated to see mm-hmm. sequels to if they made love and sex 2 now uh and and saw where the john favreau and fabka jensen characters were they would never do that because this movie made like 10 cents at the box yeah. office but if they were to make a sequel to that i think it'd probably be fascinating to see like did they mature is he Almost in a in a same time next year kind of way, to yeah. see if he's become now more conservative. Maybe he's, or has he gotten softer in his old age and you know started to become a, a maybe not quite as big a prick. Uh, where is she at? Uh, it'd be interesting to see that. I feel like though what this movie is is a, it's a portrait of two incredibly immature people. And that does fit in to the whole Woody Allen idea. Annie Hall is that to some extent. But, you know, because like thinking about it now, there's the scene where Woody, it's been a while since I've seen Annie Hall, but um, he has a date with somebody. And then, because he's broken up with Diane Keaton, and then she calls him up and... She, uh, she's upset about something. I think it was the scene where she wants him to kill a spider or something. Mm-hmm. And she's crying and she's like, I don't know, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe we should get back together. Are you seeing anybody right now? And he just, without thinking twice, he just goes, no, I haven't seen anybody, you know, in a, in a while. It's just, just been me on my own. It's like, it's a lie. Mm-hmm. It's also a lie that I understood 100%. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, holy shit, this is the what the moment I've been waiting for. I'm not going to fuck it up by telling her the truth. And so I didn't hate Woody in that moment. Because I didn't get the feeling he was going to keep seeing this other person and cheat on her and all this. He just was like, nope, I'm gonna, I, I just got dealt a good hand. I'm going to play it. With Jon Favreau in, in the movie, that scene where he comes back to her that's, that you played a clip from. Mm. It's desperate and clingy and needy and immature and toxic and he's not listening to her. There's another scene later later on because see, there's a couple of scenes like this where he wants her back, and there's a scene where he's just like he's talking to her as if they're already back together. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, "You're not listening to me," and he's like, "You look, you, you know, you really look sexy in that dress. I love it when you have your hair like that." He's and it's it's he's being kind of creepy and sexual and talking to her in a way that he should not be talking to her. And I didn't find it funny. I found it incredibly kind of uncomfortable. And so when she gets back together with him at the end, I'm just like, really? Why? Basically like the, the, the typical character arc would have been her realizing that 
They don't belong together. And uh, unless he makes some giant, uh, has some sort of growth, which he never does, it would be her moving forward. Maybe he, she meets somebody new. Instead, it's her just going, yeah, I'm just going to go back to this guy. It's almost like a shrug at the end of the movie. It's, it's almost like she's saying, whatever. <laughs> I think he wore her down. I think he kind of wore her down. And she did love him. She really did love him, you know, in her own way. But In James, her own I, way. <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I don't understand the love. I watched it and thought these are two fucked up people. And I'm laughing at them because they're funny. They're funny and I have no sympathy for either of them. I, maybe I should. Maybe I should have more sympathy for her. But she seems, you know, I know they try to paint. I know she's the narrator in the way she's telling her past, you know. And she, you know, when her past relationships are shown, she just, I want to call her a, a whore or anything. I'm, again, if that was a man, <laughs> if that was a man, we wouldn't say that. So I obviously have to be conscious of that. She's just dating yeah. and doesn't care. So I don't know. I just didn't really care for, I didn't care for better for either of them, you know? No. No, no. If you're gonna, you, you, if we're gonna use that word, he's a much bigger whore than she is. So. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, and they were. There was a scene where they were in the bar, and they literally were using people as props yes. to make each other jealous. And it was so cool, slapstick. And that's why I called this, uh, uh, honestly, a parody. I know. And uh, the thing I like about it, it's a parody that thinks it's serious. You know, and that's something yeah. like I said that they came together was trying to do as well, but it was much more obvious and the jokes were much more in your face. This one, it's like the, the the characters think they're in a relationship, but they keep doing juvenile stupid things. Mm. Even when serious things happen, they don't take it seriously, you know. But again, all, all I want to say is, and actually, let me just drag Woody Allen to this one more time. You know, again, Woody Allen, if he did the stuff um, uh, that um, John Favreau did in this movie, he would do it in a way where you feel a little bit more sympathetic and you wouldn't see how much of an arsehole he is. And he still might have done the same things, you know? I just rewatched a mid uh, Midsummer's sex comedy. Mm. I'm sure I just butchered that title, I'm sure. but I, No, 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 that's it. Yeah, that's the, the whole movie is my wife's not sleeping with me. Maybe I can get together with Mia Farrow. Everybody's cheating on everybody. And yet when I'm watching the movie, I almost don't even think about it because Woody writes it in a way where it feels more understandable. Mm. This movie, and and this thing, maybe that's he's very good at presenting a situation that should be uglier in a way that doesn't offend us quite so much. This mm. movie tried to do that, and it to me completely failed. Yeah, and I could I can see that. And again, I would say this is, and again, I don't think I've ever done this before, really, because I there should be more meat on the bones for me to recommend this movie. I would say see this movie for the actors. And when I say see this, I want to put a caveat in that: don't see this movie for the actors for a great performance. See <laughs> this movie for the actors doing some really stupid shit and laughing at them. <laughs> I mean, that's the guy. That was with Iron Man in those Spider-Man movies, and that's a woman that's in all these other... Well, yeah, anyway, it, it was kind of a guilty... This, you know, I think I'll just say this movie is a guilty pleasure. It's just I remembered this movie differently in my mind, and when I watched it, you know, I thought, oh, I don't hate this movie either. It's kind of dumb funny. It's a it's a, a parody. 
but like I said in the v- very beginning, I think this movie will not be remembered by anyone. I don't think you can stream this movie. If anything, we're talking about this movie, and unless you want to buy it on eBay, you're not going to get to watch it. So, you know, it's just a purely something that came to my mind that is a, a drop in the barrel. And yeah, you might forget about it. You might laugh. And yeah, it was something that if you've seen it yourself, let me know, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, we're we're the first people to talk about this movie in at least 20 years. And we're the last people who are talking about this movie for a while. But like, just to wrap it up, like I, as you were saying that, Another movie that we've talked about popped into my head, which I uh, I started off liking, and then the movie turned at a certain point, and that's Ruby Sparks. Cool. The difference is that moment in Ruby Sparks that kind of turned the movie for me, where he's 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 forcing her to do these humiliating things, and I I, I remember I described it as like it's a, a sexual assault scene, basically. The movie knew that that was a dark moment the movie knew he was wrong it didn't follow up on that which was my problem with it if it had cool. followed up on it and he was presented as the villain from there on that would have been fine instead the movie was wanted to just get back to like the cute love story after that and i couldn't get back into it this movie has scenes like that that make me uncomfortable with john favreau sitting there ignoring what he's being told, not respecting her boundaries, uh, saying really creepy things to her. But the movie thinks it's cute. Ruby Sparks at least knew that that moment was dark. This movie wants to be, it wants to be very light and throw away and, and cute and everything. And it just, to me, is a, it's a, you're right. If you watch this movie as, uh, a movie about two insanely toxic people in a in a completely fucked up relationship, and you go into it with that, you might get more out of it than I did. Well, I would, and I'll just cap off what you're saying, and I honestly think this is the truth. That's the perspective of, of us in this society in 2023. If you go back to 2000s, I'm sure we'll just say, oh, that was another rom-com. Great. Yeah. Well, and again, I, I'm imagining that scene with Woody and I always go to Diane Keaton because I just don't like talking yeah, about yeah, Mia yeah. Farrow. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, with him, but it could have been with Mia Farrow where he, you know, she's like, no, I don't think we should get back together. You know, I don't think, you, but, you know, and it, Woody just starts, you know, like trying to win her over, and, you know, and it would be cute. It would be charming because Woody could do it. Favreau doing his best Woody Allen impression doesn't do it for me. Like Favreau, Woody gives us the the fantasy of what that scene should be. Favreau gives us the reality of what Mm. that scene should be. And I don't think he meant to. (laughs) Mm. I think he was trying to do his Woody Allen. But to me, I'm watching it. And even if it was the year 2000, um, if I knew somebody and if I, if I had a female friend and she was telling me, yeah, he came over and he talked to me like this and he said this and, and everything, I'd be like, fucking no, let's go to the police. Let's report this person. Let's get a restraining <laughs> order. <laughs> it just shows that you were in a better headspace than me back in the 2000s. <laughs> so I'm telling you, a lot of people I know, like Jonah Favreau in this movie is an angel compared to the people I know. Yeah. 
going well, up. Well, I knew those people too. I knew those people too. <laughs> I didn't particularly like them back then either. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. But I um, let's wrap this up because we are running out of time. Let's talk about the audience scores because I always love doing it. Let's see what the people think. So on IMDb, this score is above average. Viewers, oh. viewership from the fans <clears throat> is above average. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics hate this movie. <laughs> yeah. I saw Roger movie. Ebert gave it a bad review. Well, there you go. And the fans like it, you know? Mm-hmm. So take that for whatever it's worth. But James, thank you for humoring me and talking about love and sex, <laughs> which is, again, a generic ass title too. Yes, it is. All right, James, that is it for the discussion for love and sex. Let's put that back in the disposable rental place where it belongs <laughs> which I happily admit but James for our next discussion please tell us sir what have you chosen for us to speak about next month uh, next month the movie that we will be discussing because I got on a kick recently and I watched all the old funny ones of Woody's will be the Steve Martin classic The Jerk hey one of my all time favorite movies I love The Jerk my God, that's going to be a fun one to talk about. So, well done, James. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And again, when you recommended um, LA Story not even so long ago, I was blown away by me not knowing the movie, thinking it was another movie. And go back to that discussion if you missed that discussion. But thank you so much, James, for being uh, joining me on this one as always. Where can the people find you if they want to get in contact with you? You can find my videos on the Manic Expression YouTube channel. And uh, you can find my books are all available on Amazon. Yes, we do. To, we do put podcast clips up on the Manic Expression YouTube channel. I'm not the greatest at social media, pop, you know, posting, but you know, you can check out some clips there. I also want to make an announcement that a couple of episodes ago, I mentioned that I wanted to create a space where you can put all your comments, wherever you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music audible amazon there's so many people that comment and we don't see the comments i wanted to create a youtube video a private one well it's not private it's unlisted that you can comment on anything any review any discussion that we've made before that you want to comment on whether you loved it you hate it you want to give feedback you want a recommendation by the time well i'm not going to guarantee it but hopefully by the time this episode comes out i would have made that comment video and I painstakingly am going to retroactively go back and post the link to the comment video in every single release we've done thus far. So anyone listening to any episode will know where to comment. Hopefully that helps. We'll see how it goes. It might completely turn into a bust, but let's give that a try. We want to thank our patron, patron, patrons who support the show. You can support us by going to our link, which is a link tree link down below, and you can support if you don't mind, consider. Please do buy us a copy. Give us a tip. Check that out. But also, you can leave us a review on iTunes, which is a bit cumbersome. But if you can find it, I'm just going to be transparent. To leave a review on podcasts is cumbersome. Apple need to fix it. A lot of people complain to me about that as well. But we would appreciate if you could try it. If you can't, five-star rating or whatever platform you're, you listen to us on will suffice as well. But on that note, on that note, James, I'm getting so tongue-tied. I need to get the hell out of here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you in the next episode, James. Thank you to all our subscribers. Have a lovely rest of your month, and we'll see you on the next recording.